Starring Mike Murray. This is Bessonnel. 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 By the numbers. 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 Oh, I forgot how good that theme is. <laughs> so good. So good. It's really best, fire. Best theme on the entire SNL. Thanks, DJ. That means a lot. That's a, that's a that's a Mike Murray original. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Well, got to do this. Got to get this out of the way. Uh, Io crushes it. Colin Jost hits 200. Hop onto it now. There's the opening haiku for you. Welcome to SNL by the Numbers, the home for SNL stats. I am your host, Mike Murray, reporting you to you live from the birthplace of Io Debery. She hosted episode 959. Musical guest, J-Lo. My first guest returning to the program. He last talked some SNL stats with us after the Jack Harlow Double Duty episode, October 2022. He hosts a 15-ish minute podcast called Rabbit Trail. That's R-A-B-I-D. It's TJ Randolph. Welcome back. Oh, what a, what an intro. What, what Wow. wow. What, I wasn't anticipating that. Uh, thank you very much for that wonderful intro, Mike. It's It's been a while. I'm surprised I haven't been on this program in a minute, uh, but I, I'm glad to be back here. Actually, you know, I'm feeling even especially good because I'm feeling um, I recently came back to religion. You may be wondering, what the hell is TJ talking about? It's the start of the podcast. Well, I recently came back to religion, and that religion um, is a new one for me. It's the religion of Trader Joe's. Uh, I recently discovered all their wonderful products, the the, the freezer package meals, the unique snacks. Um and I, 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 like I, I, I now worship at the altar of Trader Joe's, um, and uh, so I'm feeling very, very wonderful, I'm very, very enlightened, and happy to be here. God bless. Uh, yeah. Our, mm-hmm. My my next guest, making her. <laughs> 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 yeah, like Eric says, TJ for TJ. Um, my next guest, making her by the numbers debut. Uh, she's an entertainment lawyer and just an all-around lovely person. Um, we were talking before the show about it's Amanda Barkin. Welcome to By the Numbers. Hello, Mike. Thank you for having me. I have always wanted to be on a By the Numbers show. Um, and I've always wanted to podcast with TJ Randolph since I started working on this podcast. I have been trying to get on a show with him. And as luck will have it, the first time I'm on with him, I my voice is pretty much gone. So we'll see if I can keep up. Um, I'm hoping, but I don't usually sound like that. Although I sound a little better right now. Um, if anything, and, you sound like Rebecca North. Like everyone would just think. Yeah, it's, it's like you're just doing yeah, a good Rebecca. Exactly. So like, oh. exactly. So it works, it works in a favor. It's still, you sound like a good podcaster. Good. Great. Um, well, then for my first for my first uh, question for TJ is, how did you just find out about Trader Joe's recently? I didn't find out about Trader Joe's recently. So my dad had been going to Trader Joe's for a while. Um, but uh, ever since he went out for cigarettes, like, you know, that was years ago. Let me stop. Uh, <laughs> I love my dad. He's, he's, he's a very sweet guy. He's married to a lovely woman. Um, no, like what it is, is that I um, I just started going to their brick and mortar store. Because when I left Pennsylvania about a year and a half ago, they moved. Uh, they, there was a Trader Joe's that was just moving in. And I went like one time, my roommate at the time, he was like, oh, you should go. And I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, I'm already like, this place is getting gentrified anyway. I might as well just like move. Um, and then I, my usual go to grocery places are Aldi and Target. Um, they're usually like, oh, and Costco. Your boy loves Costco. Yeah. But TJ's, I just wanted to mix something up. And I was like, good God. 
what have I been doing? Yeah. It's a gold standard. It's is this what women feel like when they go to Target? Like it like because no. it feels like no. Okay. All right. It feels like because I'm it's cheap. new every time. It's okay. affordable and everyone that works there is kind and is happy. It's like yeah. unbelievable. It's a gold mo- like I don't there should be a Trader Joe's of every type of business and I don't know why there's not and I don't know how Trader Joe's has been able to just be like the prices, the everything, it, everything right. is we, beyond we about SNL. <laughs> <laughs> I told you you got to rain in the show, Mike. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, but I mean, riveting stuff going on. I just, you know, Unless you're talking about bringing your big dumb cup into TJ's. I don't want to hear about it really anymore. Fair enough. So once in a while, I'll look back on the day of the podcast and I'll say, you know, what moments happened on SNL in this day? Found a few today. Um, TJ, you an Eddie Murphy fan? Come on now. I'm black. Yes. Uh, so I'm black and I was born in the 90s. Of course I am. So no, that's all not. All right. Sure. Yes, yes, I am. We're, we're going back to 1981, season six. We got rookie Eddie Murphy with one of the wilder update appearances that he had where he, they're talking about President's Day coming up, Lincoln's birthday. And, and Eddie gets on talking about how Abraham Lincoln actually forgot to sign the Emancipation Proclamation and slavery was illegal. And oh Jesus Christ. <laughs> one of those times when you're watching old SNL and you're thinking, like, how did this make air and would this could this ever be on air now? So I'll play a clip from Eddie on that show. So tomorrow when you're out, if you happen to see a black person that you like, by all means, take him home with you. <laughs> Eddie Murphy, ladies and gentlemen, back in oh season God. six. Just that whole thing. SNL has it on YouTube, so go check it out. They haven't they haven't pulled it down or anything, but Next one, we have uh, the Blues Brothers 2000 hit theaters the day earlier. Oh. And John Goodman became the third member of the Nine Timers Club. So he had Dan Aykroyd come out as Elwood Blues in the monologue. And last but not least, in 2009, season 34, Bradley Cooper. This is like four months pre-hangover. And the Lonely Island gave us one of the best. Is Bradley Cooper in the I'm on a boat video? He's not in it. I don't remember him in that video. He hosted it. Uh, you know, T-Pain obviously in it, but yeah, yeah. that's, uh, you know, 15 years ago that that aired. So you, wow. you feel old yet. So I was 15 when that came out. Yeah. We are. Perfect age. Yeah. 15. I think my first live Lonely Island video I saw, like when it was like airing was I just had sex. Like that was the first one I saw like. Eric, and I'm pretty sure I was in high school. Jesus Christ. Wow. So that's our look down uh, on this day in SNL history. Yeah. There's also a, a Megan Mullally episode on this date. So this is uh, four SNLs that have happened on February 7th. But we're going to talk about an episode that just aired and look at the screen time for that episode. So Amanda, coming into this episode post a Lordy and Dakota Johnson. Do you think there was a lot of weight on IO to deliver a good show? Yes. I think that there was a lot of weight on this episode to um, perhaps be a little bit better than the other two in this run. I don't know if there's necessarily a lot of pressure on IO. Personally, I think that everyone that I spoke to and everything that I read had pretty high hopes for her and confidence in, in her um, as a host. So I think, and I think she delivered, but I definitely think that there was 
we were all kind of like, okay, thank God Io Atterbury is hosting the third episode in this run because we can kind of guarantee a little bit of an uptick. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember thinking about that pre-show run last year and you see the announcements. It was Woody Harrelson and you're thinking like, that's going to be a great show. And then Travis Kelsey, like, what? And then the Woody episode ended up not being so great. And I thought the Kelsey one was great. So some of these placement of these hosts, they don't know going in, but they kind of uh, unfold as the run goes on three or four weeks. So here's the screen time from that episode. Io up top, of course, 18 minutes, 34 seconds. So that's around where Dakota Johnson was, but I think she did a lot more with the screen time than Dakota did, and that's a few minutes more than Lordy had. Keenan Thompson with a big week coming back, eight minutes thirty. He leads the cast ahead of J Lo, our musical guest, seven minutes fifty-five seconds. Andrew Dismukes also a huge week, six fifty-five. Sarah Sherman six forty-eight. A lot of that being the uh, solo only update um, piece that we had as Colin Joe's illegitimate son, CJ Rossitano. Bowen Yang, 6 minutes, 24 seconds. Colin Joe, 619. Ego Wodum, 6 minutes, 8. Mikey Day, 558. JAJ, 428. Chloe Feynman, 3 minutes, 41. Punky Johnson with a 333. Marcelo Hernandez, 2 minutes, 50. Michael Che, 246. Devin Walker, 223. Heidi Gardner, a minute 19. Chloe Trost, also with a minute 19. Michael Longfellow, a minute 14. Redman comes in with J-Lo with a minute one. And Lotto, 38 seconds in the first performance. Nikki Haley in the cold open, 37 seconds. Molly Carney, 31 seconds. Steve Higgins, 29 seconds of voice work. And PDD's own Martin Hurley with the silent appearance, but nonetheless made the live show with 15 seconds in the Bad Couples sketch. TJ, what do you see here? Who do you want to talk about from this show? Um, I was definitely like my eyes go to like Molly, J Lo, and Keenan. Um, Molly, because I have been, dream blunt rotation. <laughs> uh, so like Molly is um, uh, sorry. Um, I haven't been tracking like Molly's progress. But I don't feel like Molly's in like where like the punky territory that punky was with the first like three seasons. Um, so the 31 second surprises me. You, the fun thing about this is it makes me just kind of feel like I don't feel like Molly's or Trost or any of sort of these future players are in any real danger that maybe like uh, Lauren Holt or Aristotle were or even like Melissa. Like, I don't know if the figures will match up with that. Like, is there a similar. I made it seem like an issue before the show. For this season, have you seen Molly maybe on a similar trajectory to what we might have seen with some of those uh, players that are with us no more? Well, Molly's in their third year. So, uh, sorry, second year. And, you know, before going into the uh, a possible promotion to the full cast. But um, Molly, obviously not having a great season, but better than last year. And their screen time the past three weeks was... 255, 244, and three minutes, one second in the Kate episode. Other than that, it's been around uh, a minute, minute and a half. So this was a down week for Molly. I think this would be their third lowest screen time of the season. I feel like that was still better than Aristotle or like Melissa. I feel like they were putting up numbers that was like six seconds, 15 seconds. Like 
Well, Aristotle, I think to the, maybe to the day I die, I'll, I'll know Aristotle's career screen time because it's almost too <laughs> apropos. Uh, Aristotle's only season was 15 minutes, 38 seconds. So it's quite literally a 15 minutes of fame on SNL. That's crazy to me. Oh, my God. Uh, shout out to him because he did interview with this podcast. Yeah, um, great interview with John. Check it out. Um, uh, and also for J-Lo, I'm shocked that a cast member beat out the musical guests. And I'm shocked that as J-Lo is a three-time host that she didn't pop up. But to be honest, that's been said to death this entire week. I'm still surprised in it that it allowed Keenan Thompson to eclipse Jennifer Lopez. I'm I'm just so baffled by that. Well, not totally rare to have the top cast member be ahead of the musical guest. Um, so, you know, you, you'll see cast members with over 10 minutes. So Keenan, this was the second best episode following the Pete episode. So, mm-hmm. uh, and Keenan has been a storyline on By the Numbers all season. We've been tracking that he's been really lower numbers compared to the past two seasons where he was like number one in every category. So that's been the main storyline. We'll see the power rankings at the end, how Keenan has uh, risen from the first 10 episodes. But Amanda, who do you want to talk about from this show that you really were glad that you saw a lot of or somebody maybe, you know, we talk about people we don't see more often, but I kind of want to hear who you were glad to see. Yeah. So when, you know, when I was thinking about coming on the show this week, I was kind of thinking about how the last couple episodes, at least maybe compared to some runs past, there's not, I, I couldn't think of who was getting a lot of screen time. Like where I think in the past, like consistently Heidi gets a lot of screen time. Mikey Day gets a lot of screen time. You know, sometimes Ego, Keenan. I couldn't really think of like who would be leaning, uh, you know, uh, leading in screen time. So I was excited to see the breakdown. Um, and I don't really know. Like, I mean, you know, Sarah, I guess is, is pretty up there. I have just been feeling like there haven't been, there hasn't been like a cast member dominating nights the way that we've seen in the past is that does that stack up with the stats well i mean we we had the kate era where kate was i think led in screen time 27 different times in the past few seasons that she was on so we had the kate 80 cecily which were getting at least six minutes each but now it's really it's really bow and yang so i mean we're going to see the stats at the end as like i mentioned but uh bowen is is the standout star and if you look at his um career screen time going up it's he's now putting in at least five six minutes an episode where that would have been a rarity for bowen yang even just two years ago when he was already an established member of the cast so i will give a couple um shout outs to sarah sherman third highest screen time of her career second best of the season andrew dismukes had his fifth best episode of his career in screen time also his second best of the season punky johnson's 10th highest screen time of her career also second best of the season. And uh, shout out to Eric, who I uh, was going through my numbers and looked at uh, JJ's uh, stats. And this, we saw the 18th appearance of his Trump, which is now accounted for 59 minutes and 20 seconds of his screen time. Um, so next time we see Trump, he'll, he'll hit an hour of JJ as Trump. So I'm sure a lot of people in the chat will not be happy to hear that. But So that means 28.7% of JJ's time on SNL has been as Donald Trump. And this week was also his 50th episode, J.J. I also want to react to what Amanda was saying like earlier, but it's more on an emotional and a feeling thing rather than a numbers thing, which is it feels like it has been, this is the first time in a very long time where SNL hasn't, where SNL has felt the most ensemble for the past like year and a half, which honestly, 
it feels great as a change of pace. It, it feels really good as a as just a change, but is maybe sort of a danger to the show because the show at the moment, even though they have big, great players, Ego, Heidi, Mikey, Sarah, and Bowen, like come to mind immediately. There isn't really outside of maybe Keenan, but at this point, Keenan just feels like the granddad just always around. There isn't a star. Like there isn't like, you know, like you don't really want to call Pete a star. He was a celebrity, but that still was, he was bigger than the show. Kate was the star. And then before that, what you had, um, like Kristen Wiig, uh, who was our star. Like, I don't like trying yeah. to think like who was our star between like Will Ferrell and like Kristen Wiig, but there doesn't feel like there's like a star. Right now, even though the screen time is showing that we have big players doing consistent good work, I don't think the show is really in the show itself as an entity is like in the zeitgeist, but it doesn't feel like there's somebody that's our active breakout, like our active consistent breakout outside of the SNL lexicon. Yeah. Last year we thought it, it might be Sarah, um, I feel like, but I, I'm still rooting for Sarah. I still think that Sarah gets more bang for her buck and that we remember her when she's whenever she's on screen. She doesn't need to be on, you know, she doesn't need to be on for six plus minutes an episode in order for us to remember what she did in that episode. So I still think Sarah has got this thing going and I'm, you know, we can talk about her update appearance uh, with Colin Jost, but I feel like those kind of are like easy TikTok sound bites. So like people that don't watch the show get those fed to them on TikTok, like know who Colin Jost is, especially if there's like a Scarlett Johansson reference, it like even becomes, I feel like even more mainstream. Um, so I still do feel like Sarah is a star, but I get I mean she had a big episode. Also, speaking of big episodes, can we talk about the fact that this is the lowest for my own personal self in like looking at the graphics that I remember Heidi being. Yeah, me I am too. blown away by the fact that Heidi is so low. We know that that's like, you know, just an off week for her. Like, that's nothing crazy. Actually, Mike, has Heidi been on the decline lately? No, Heidi's been killing it lately. This is her okay. lowest of the season. So that's Heidi at a minute 19. Uh, with Dakota Johnson, she had 7 minutes 48. Uh, Alordi, 7.32. The Driver episode from uh, December, 9 minutes 49. And the Chalamet, over 11 minutes. So it's been a huge year for Heidi. This is a huge drop-off for her in this show. Maybe this is just because... like, And, you know, like Adam and Emma are also really good. And so is Kate. But maybe, maybe there was just something different about Io that like Io like maybe absorbed what like Heidi. Like, she anchored the sketches. The she really anchored the sketches, right? And like that, you yeah, usually but Kate see did that too. Yeah, that's true. We have done some analysis before on you know female hosts. Does that make the male cast? Yeah, I remember that. Stats yeah. improve and vice versa. Um, so I think that with Dakota Johnson, you know maybe. There were more opportunities, and then with uh, because let's think, let's talk about like Ego, like Io and Ego was probably my favorite host cast pairing of the year, and yeah. um, I just I got I'll play this clip because I thought it just showcases how great they were. This them badgering Mikey on the game show. What? Yeah, what is she? Hey, what am I? Yeah, cause she what? Cause I'm what? Say it with your chest. Say it with your chest. What is she? Say it with your chest. Say What is she? What is she? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's it's a great black energy right there. That's, you can turn that on a dime. <laughs> and uh, that, that's where I go. 
that's where what makes ego ego is like anytime she's being like a little rude to somebody or like sassy it's when she is can just do that so naturally ego and io we saw them twice but they were both later in the show do you think it would have been more beneficial to have that pairing more up front amanda uh yeah I mean, I always watch the whole show, but to the extent people don't, I and missed, you know, that pairing in action, then yes, um, for sure. But then I also feel like you kind of get I know that we want to see our favorite sketches on earlier pre-update if possible so that they can get the most exposure. But I feel like there's like a kooky energy in the second half of the night that kind of allows some of our favorite sketches to be our favorite sketches. It's just like a little bit of a different energy because people have gone to sleep, I guess. But maybe that's just me. Maybe that's just because I'm feeling more kooky later in the night as it gets closer to one in the morning. Um, and TJ, do you do you like when there's like a good synergy between a particular cast member and the host or or not? Who, Does that really matter? Who would this? Oh, okay. oh, does it matter? I think it's fun because I think it makes the host... Like, like, I don't know, energy is a huge thing. Like, I think about our, our last really good host in um, cast pairing, at least the one that's coming to my mind, which is uh, Pete and Chalamet. Um, yeah, definitely. I think, like, you know, we we all really enjoyed that. I, I think we got another one, someone there. I want to say Billy and Kate, but that was like, that was, you know, uh, we didn't get that as much. Um, but like, of of course, like oh, or um, Andrew just mukes and Michael B. Jordan, which is uh, one of the weirder ones. Um, I mean, of course, I think it, I think it helps ground them a little bit, makes them feel like they could potentially have a friend. Um, I, I will, I will come back and I'll say I think the People's Court sketch, even though it does work in a ten to one slot, I think you could put that before the weekend update. I do. I think that one. I know it's 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 a little out there. But I think it's strong. I don't think the Spellman one works before we can update. But I think the other one does. And I think they deserve to have one before we can update. Um, because I think um, the XXL freshman roundtable with Chalamet and Pete, I'm pretty sure that was before we can update too. Um, if it wasn't, it, it was. feels like it was. Because that was, you know, huge. Um, and then the uh, the reprise of it this season was was as well. But yeah, I think the People's Court sketch is, is very classic 10 to 1 energy, but also was a good showcase for Io, and I, I love this line from her. It's just embarrassing, and when it's windy out, I can feel my memories being blown away. So I just, uh, going back and doing the stats for this episode, I, I say it on the show all the time, but I'll say it for this episode, it was an okay episode for me, but I thought Io was like a 10 out of 10 host. So going back and watching all her sketches, her performances definitely made them better. And Leaks, just the different yeah. tonality that she used and the different... She didn't use the same voice for every character, which if you're hosting the show and you don't have acting experience, or even if you do, it probably is... You're trying to read live and work live that you might not put that much energy into changing how you d deliver these lines and might just be worrying about the pacing and trying to be funny. But I thought Io, her her tonality and the way she said lines was made the lines better. Amanda? She's the first host this season that I feel like I never noticed her reading cue cards. I mean, maybe Pete, I maybe Pete and uh, Nate, but I feel like you know the last couple of weeks we've had hosts that you can kind of tell are reading the cue cards, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously not ideal, but it's understandable. But I feel like Io probably 
I mean, I there are some sketches that I look back and think about it from that lens. I'm like, how does she memorize them? Like maybe she did know a lot of it. I, I don't know. It felt like she was actually acting rather than re- yeah. Like I completely backed that up because there was one sketch. I don't know if it was maybe it was Solomon, but it felt like oh she's not staring off to the side as much, and she is like I could tell she was reading she's something. Like walking but like, back and forth. Yeah, and I'm like this felt it just felt kinetic and it felt fun. Um, like the fact that there was a little boy who looked like me when I was in middle school, uh, stood on her, stood on his toes. And yeah, I felt attacked when I saw that Solomon character. I'm not going to lie. Um, my fro wasn't that big, but I was that little nerdy boy with glasses. Um, uh, I have to to play maybe my favorite line of the whole episode. If it wasn't the memories line, it was this mukes in that Solomon sketch. Okay. Uh, for the record, I'm not making this little boy say he's bi. (laughs) Which that has to be top five Dismukes of all time. Just his energy saying that line. You but, completely uh, Mr. Mark, man. When he said, when he says, "You do not have my consent," like he's like rebuking a spirit in church. Like, come on now. That's that's the line. That's I'm not even saying the line right, but that's. Yeah, I think he said he was covered in the blood of Jesus, and he's a child of Abraham. <laughs> Like more oral looking ass. <laughs> yeah, oh love that God. sketch. That was another one IO showcase post update. So we were looking at some numbers of wow, we saw a lot of um, good like sketch material post update, and um, it was you know it was definitely above average. So we got to see more live material later in the night. Um, I wanted to ask you real quick though, Amanda, TJ, either of you, how you felt about the Nikki Haley appearance, and give the chat a trivia question. Because I'm thinking, wow, someone who's never been on SNL before getting a solo live from New York. It's kind of a, you know, a big, big thing to, to uh, give to an outsider of the show to say live from New York on Saturday night when you have no history with the show. So if anyone can remember the last time that that happened, uh, I'll say it in a minute. But uh, TJ, your thoughts on that appearance? Did it, did it make the cold open awkward for the IO show or was it okay for you? This isn't that fair to that white lady. Like you're asking two liberal people, like how do we feel about? She's not, huh? She might not be white. Also, Nikki Haley. I think she's. Hold on, I'll look it up. She's definitely, definitely, definitely white passing. I just, I just realized this recently. I, you know, she's she has some kind of heritage that obviously Trump didn't let get by without. Well, like a splash of olive oil in her makeup. Like what is it? Like, (laughs) um, (laughs) sorry. Um, I'm sorry, listeners. Uh, TJ no, Randolph, not. everybody. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I'm going to hell. Um, actually, no. Okay. For the Nikki Haley thing, you know what's crazy about it? And this is just because I don't know that much about her. Like, I'm trying to mentally block all the Trump stuff out of my head. And hopefully, I, like, I'm trying to mentally block it. So, like, I don't know a ton about her except that she was on The Breakfast Club this past week. So, that's why she was in New York. Or I don't know if she was in New York because she got asked to do SNL. But um, for those who don't know, The Breakfast Club is like a radio program that's predominantly focused on a black audience. A lot of people who campaign usually go to do The Breakfast Club uh, radio show because it's a great way to like speak to like a like a black population. Um, I'm sure people in New York know what that is. But like just for context, I'm not talking about the great John Hughes movie. Um, but she did The Breakfast <laughs> Club. It'd be funny if Nikki uh, Haley appeared on that. Yeah, but every now and then a Republican candidate like will go there because you know they actually are trying to maybe get the black. It, it's a place that people go to for the black vote. 
or whatever. And so I know that Vivek Ramaswamy, even though he's a citizen, went on there recently. And I think that maybe gave Nikki Haley, the president, to want to try to do it, too. They've had Republicans on there before. Um, and so I knew she was in the city for that. But I would have never thought that she would have been in Studio 8H. So for me, it was more seeing her on Instagram on The Breakfast Club. And then like looking up and I'm saying, what the hell is Nikki Haley doing in Studio 8H? So it was, I, I'm not gonna lie. I was so befuddled the entire time watching that of like, why would Lauren do this? Um, Like, I just like, why? And I'm not even like a dislike of it. I didn't have a positive or negative. I was just purely befuddled by it, which I guess gets a reaction and gets engagement. Like, I don't really know her that much. I know she says some stupid shit about America's never been a racist country. And I know she, you know, she took it back. So I respect her for that. She shouldn't have said it in, in the first place. It's a dumbass thing to say. Um, but like, I was just more like, why? I think. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Amanda, go ahead. I, I The why is because SNL has a history of this. I'm okay with it as a concept. I don't, I generally don't love giving people platforms that I disagree with politically and ideologically and across the board, but SNL has a history of, you know, the campaign, she's on the campaign trail. She's in the news. I'm fine with it. I did not like that. They gave her live from New York. That, that was crazy. That was crazy. There's no, that was upsetting to me. And also I think that IO let her off a little bit. I mean, the, the writers let her off a little bit easy with the way that they took, you know, digs at her, like not, calling out slavery, but uh, I'm generally okay with the appearance. I like that it it took me out for a second. I was surprised to see her. And I like that, especially like the cold open, I thought it was going to be very formulaic, JJ doing Trump. And then I was like, kind of like, what the fuck? That's Nikki Haley. Like I was surprised. And then you're like, oh, Io's in the, you know, the cold open. So it was like, it's nice to break up the monotony in that way. I guess I have to noodle more on like just like giving her a platform. I don't know if that's what they did, but SNL has always, you know, this is a election year. I'd rather see her than Trump. That's for damn sure. But yeah, giving her live from New York that feels a little bit sacrilegious to me. Yeah, that's that's our phrase. No, um, <laughs> I also like I love what John says in the chat. Um, like John's completely right that it's not as bad as Trump hosting in 2015. Um. Like John, not uh, not our John, but um, John in the chat is completely right. Um, this is not nearly as bad. It is funny going back to the 40th and seeing Trump in the audience, like next to Taylor Swift. Um, I don't like. I think that's <laughs> just like, oh, what a time! Like, doesn't it feel like ages ago? It's yeah, been back nine when he years. was a Democrat, right? Hmm? Said so back when Trump was a Democrat, you know, and I used to hang out oh, yeah, with the, Hillary and stuff. The eve of 2015, right before, <laughs> like the middle of 2015. Oh, yeah. When he was still a Democrat. Anyway, answer to the question was uh, Jason Aldean in the cold open for the Gal Gadot episode. So he had never been a musical guest before, but it was following the, the Vegas shooting. And he did I Won't Back Down by Tom Petty and said live from New York on Saturday night. So we did have some great guesses in the chat. Who's Jason um, Aldean? He's matter. a country Bingo singer. Card. Oh, okay. That's so explains why I don't know. That's for yeah. anyone who has a TJ. So just a, a rarity to have a solo live from New York. It's a rarity to have it be, you know, we had Christopher Walken do a live from New York this season for a non-cast member, but to have somebody who's has no history with the show 
Um, you know, it's usually has to be somebody political or somebody that's there for only one reason and not for like their comedy career or anything. Uh, but we're going to move on and talk about Punky Johnson, someone that gets a lot of attention on this show. Uh, we love Punky. It's a pro-Punky program, as I'm one to say. And I wanted to look at her trajectory because TJ said he hold wanted on, to look at hold it. Hold on. Why did you pick that picture for her? <laughs> Sorry, the listeners can't see that. Oh, it's it's from um from the SZA song. It's uh, Punky with Steaks on Steaks on Steaks. Big boy. <laughs> I I know the song. I'm very familiar with the image. But you choose. There's so many images, and you choose one with her holding raw steaks. <laughs> I like the photo, TJ. So you know. I'm not picking on you. I'm just it cracks me up. So Punky Johnson. We want to talk about her. I look at the averages for her screen time by season. So I'll say those now. Season 46, her rookie year, a minute, 19 seconds. That's a low-ass average. Season 47, only six seconds up to a minute, 25. Then she gets the bump up to the repertory cast. 220 so far this season, 219. So Punky's been status quo for her um, you know, full cast promotion forward at about two minutes, 20 seconds for two seasons. So for someone like Punky, Amanda is, are they, I don't want to say that there's no higher ceiling for Punky, but is somebody that maybe doesn't need to have a lot of screen time to do a lot with, because we all know what she can do, but is, is Punky going to be a customer that, that is hosting the, the talk show or the game show, or is she better served to be laugh lines only and not be the straight player almost ever? I mean, I think she could be the straight player. I, there's no reason to think she couldn't. I think that she's better as a star. She's definitely not the straight man in the sketch. Um, I mean, honestly, I'm surprised that her average this season is so low, I guess, because whenever she is on screen, it is so impactful. And we're yeah. super fans on the podcast. But that I just feel like she's had like a really big year, but maybe that's because every time she is on the screen, it's a showcase. And so she's getting not just whatever, just over two minutes average, but like two minutes average of a, of a showcase and then just nothing but showcases. I mean, does that sound right to you guys? I just, I'm surprised. Um, well, have def- we seen, have we seen a punky showcase this season? Uh, I mean, I, her update piece, I think. Oh yeah. I mean, that's one. Less. So, other than I was kind of saying the opposite that I, I feel like she does come in to be the super comic relief to sketch right. like the people's court. Like, you know, right. Punky didn't need to be in that sketch, but she elevated it by being another customer with her brain exposed. So she kind of escalated that uh, idea for that sketch where that's somebody that's that's a punky role through and through. There was also a sketch she did earlier this year, and I only remember because she mentioned it at her Radio City show wanting to do it and then literally that week she did it oh the um, bad bunny it was like Lati- telenovela no. yeah latina it was like, jefferson. Uh, my name is something jefferson uh something yeah latina jefferson. yeah latina jefferson because <laughs> they needed to cast a latina and she's like i am latina yeah um <laughs> um so yeah that was a, a punky starring piece but what we can say is this if we look in like and listeners i apologize for maybe the way i'm framing this up uh if it's not uh, audio friendly but if i'm looking at the left side of the chart if i'm looking at the uh, 40 like uh her first season and a half or if i'm looking at uh, her first two seasons versus her recent two seasons there are a higher number of occurrences of punky being on the show 
even if there is an aggregate of screen time. I like if uh, the listeners can't see this, but between 47 and 48, there are multiple occurrences where she is not on the show at all. But even though she's leveling out, she is at least on the show in these latter seasons. Um, like Absolutely, she, she yeah. is popping up more. And I think we can all agree that she's having a, a bigger punch when she is popping up, even if she's not doing a starring piece, it's coming to our mind more. It's it's crazy to me that like because in my mind, even though we would say season forty seven would probably have her bigger amount of screen time, I wonder what the um comparing forty seven to forty nine because there is more. It seems to me like there's more occurrences of time, even though it is more spread. In I I'd say she's acting as though she is a third year cast member, even though she is what like a fifth year cast member. Fourth, so fourth, 46, fourth 47, 48, and 49. So if, yeah. you're, if you're watching with us or if you're listening along with us and want to see what we're looking at, I just did a bar graph of every Punky episode with some peaks and valleys. So as TJ alluded to, she was shut out of eight episodes in her career and hasn't been shut out in a while now. So we're, exactly. not, so we're seeing Punky on a regular basis, whether it be for a small time or a long time. And if you see the one huge peak, that was the Megan the Stallion episode early last year, that Punky had 6 minutes, 13 seconds. That was her highest. I wanted to look at... Um, I've done stats about like quality, quote-unquote, episodes. And uh, I kind of was just thinking of episodes where you had an appearance that was longer than two minutes because I would consider that to be a showcase. Hey, man, you could do a lot but two minutes, bro. There, you heard it here first. So Punky has <laughs> has had, in her career, 19 segments over two minutes so far. So compare that to, you know, you can't compare that to a Keenan or somebody or a Mikey because they've been there longer. They're more established, but... Just people who are contemporaries. So like this Mukes has had 36 appearances over two minutes. Sarah Sherman's had 27 appearances over two minutes. And J.A.J. has had 42 appearances over two minutes. Compare that with Punky's 19. So that, I think, is the stat that says the most about her usage is that she does appear on a regular basis, especially in recent seasons, but ha- does not have a lot of like Keenan, like I said, being the game show host or update pieces so a lot of those 19 are going to be on update when she's with mikey day um as herself when she did the uh the one this season when she was playing the guy who jumped at the judge in that viral video and uh, of course um pineapple the her first update piece in a rookie year so amanda when you look at someone like punky johnson and you say they've leveled out but is there a higher ceiling because this is somebody that going into their third year I was pleasantly surprised they were kept on the show. So now you see her perform a regular, on a regular basis. What could she do going forward? She should lean more into update or try to anchor a sketch more. Uh, I don't know. I don't want to see her anchor. A, I don't want to see her be a straight man in a sketch because I feel like that's not a good use. I mean, I loved her in the PDD. She's Right, she's a gay woman. I don't want to see NBCU make her be the straight man. I don't want that. Um, she could be whatever she wants to be. Sorry, man. I said make her. I don't want to see them make her do anything. But I, I feel like you know because like in, in interviews and hearing her talk, I feel like 
the things that she comes up with are not the straight man. So to, to the extent that she's getting on air because she's been involved in writing something, she's not writing for herself a straight man type role. I'm not sure. I. We're also forgetting something. Oh my god, we're forgetting the PDD sketch with the AI face. So good, and that's great, punky great punky. punky piece. Yeah, I think Punky's really that. great when she's interacting with other cast members. Also, like if she's gonna be the straight man, it has to be bouncing off somebody and like making them feel stupid. Because I feel like she's funny in those roles. I'm not sure, but you know, the writers better figure it out because we'll boycott if if Punky doesn't get just as much, if not more, time. Yeah, I'm it's, just happy it's she's getting it, more. Say it again, TJ. I'm just happy she's like not shut out. Of oh yeah, episodes. like I'm for sure. And yeah, I, I, I'll, yeah. I'll say this every week as it keeps going on. This is now 11 episodes in. No one has been shut out of one episode. So if you're missing your favorite cast member, you have seen them at least once every week. So it can't all be Bowen and Mikey and uh, Heidi, but everyone has appeared at least once every episode, which I think is great. So. There's enough food for all the mouths, as Bowen said. Oh, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. I thought I was getting away from John for a second. <laughs> so I wanted to look at, this is a stat, this is going back, if you've been with me, from the, the season one SNL stats days when I would really analyze how the show worked. Of course, I was doing power rankings, I was doing screen time, but I was looking a lot at how SNL throws a show together. So I would love to hear Amanda and TJ's ideal SNL show because it's tough to pull off. It's you're going to cut some things, you're going to some things are kept for maybe reasons we don't agree with like the Shark Tank book club sketch I thought was pretty bad, but they probably were like, well, we got the cameos in the building, so we want to put that sketch in. And then there's a discussion about pre-tape versus live. So I wanted to look at this season versus last season. And I looked at the segment breakdown and what's changed. So I'll just read you what has changed. So this season in 49, we've had 9.3% more pre-tape material than last year. We've had also more sketch material, 3.6% more sketch. A little bit more music, 2.5%. Uh, we've had almost identically the same amount of segments, 12.7 average segments last year, 12.8 this year. And then we've had a drop off a segment like any part of the show, like monologue, cold open music update, all that stuff. So usually SNL has about 12 or 13 segments in a given episode that has not changed. And then the cold opens have been 3% shorter monologues, three and a half percent shorter. And if I took the Nate Bargatze monologue, uh, the average monologue of this season would go down 25 seconds because that was a really long monologue. And then Weekend Update, the big one on this chart, has gone down 13%. So that was something I was tracking very early this season because we had short updates. They've kind of leveled off, but overall 13% less Weekend Update. So Amanda, is there a, is, if someone did not know the format of SNL and you had to tell them what to watch or what your favorite part of it is, would you mention like it's SNL, it's the live sketches, or would you point them towards a weekend update or a pre-tape that, you know, from the last few weeks? Right now, at this point in time, I would probably yeah, let's take point, it to this season. I would point them to PDD and a, and a live sketch. I think if I was picking two, I don't think I would point them to update. Whereas in years past, I probably would have, I feel like update used to be everyone's favorite or like non super fans will watch update on 
you know, social media or YouTube, whatever, every week, even if they're not watching the show. I don't feel like that's the case anymore. Um, I would say I would. Why is that? You think you think you're just a little down on update this year or just sick of it? Maybe I haven't. There hasn't been a a feature um, like a a correspondent that I've been obsessed with this season that I can think of. I really liked Sarah's piece this week, but not because it was like a full, fully baked character so much as I love the Sarah and Colin energy. And I'm, I give them a lot of props for finding like creative ways to continue to like play off the same dynamic, which I think is very popular and very good for them. Um, I think they've been successful with that, especially like playing off Colin's personal life, but I'm not sure why it is. I I guess I I feel like the energy just hasn't been the same. Um, I don't know if that we've just been, because we've been talking about how Joseph and Che have been doing it for so long and kind of like, trying to anticipate a change up and like, we know it's kind of coming. So like, maybe that's just on my mind. Like, I think that I don't want to call them lame ducks because I'm going to get, I feel like backlash for that, but that's kind of what the vibe that I'm getting. It's like the president in their last year, like even if they had a great presidency, like on what they're doing is like, it's, it's going to wrap up sooner than later. And I feel like the energy reflects that. Yeah, I mean, we're definitely closer to the end than the beginning. Joe Sinche being the longest tenured update host in SNL history. So TJ, I'll ask you the same question. That Do you do you like to see more of the pre-tape material or does that kind of betray the essence of SNL? Because the pre-tapes are so well made now. The, the budget and the talent behind them is probably higher than ever. The people they have working on them, they turn around them in 24 hours, editing them right before showtime. And we saw with the Mario Kart and Pedro Pascal that like got a lot of national attention. And now PDD being a more of a staple part of the show, they're always pre-taped. So is that something that SNL should embrace? Or is there a slippery slope because we don't want to get to where SNL is, say, you know, three or four pre-tapes rather than two or three? So for myself, like personally, and, and I'm not saying anyone should think like me, but sort of the magic of the live element was taken away when I, for a time, um, like whenever I stopped like having cable, uh, when I was like first, like having my first apartment, um, and I had to watch, I guess, you know, for probably at least six years, uh, no longer, I watched SNL for a while on Hulu, um, which I know, you know, so I was, it wasn't a uh, Saturday night live. It was what they call it, like Sunday night Hulu, a Sunday morning Hulu or whatever. Um, so for me, that live element really got taken out. Like I remember hearing about sketches that like aired, but like might've gotten taken out when it went to like Hulu the next day. Like, I know there was like a game of Thrones sketch with Leslie Jones that got cut that I've always wondered, like, what was this sketch? I know there's like a PDD and IO sketch that's out there in the ether. Um, so for myself, like, I know that like, I've, I don't care what people think about me. I, I've never cared that much about the fact that it was live. I, I just enjoyed the show. Like I, I really enjoy, I enjoy watching it live. I, I watch it live now, but that's never mattered that much to me. The fact that they're doing it live, I don't care. Um, so for me, I try to think what were the things I was sharing the most to my friends over the years. And I, I think it has been predominantly pre-tapes. Now I would not at all say SNL should change its format. I like its format. Um, I would love, like, I like that Kodo, Kodo almost got shorter. I love that they got shorter. Uh, they could get a little shorter. 
<laughs> but like, I think that's a good, that's a change in the right direction. Um, I, like, I don't know. I think these are good changes except for maybe we can update being shorter, but I think this is kind of a, a nice leveling. Um, but a lot of my value usually is put on the pre-tapes and not value. It's just more of where I've seen like some of the best quality over the past, maybe like 15 years. But as somebody who is literally of the age and of this era where like digital and the pre-tapes are, I am a symptom of that. I'm not a built Kenny who's got a chance to appreciate a wider breadth of the show as I'm growing. So I'm, you know, I grew up on Lonely Island or Emma Stone. Yeah, everybody has slipped in grape jelly. Um, so, like, pre-tapes are where it is going to be for me. Um, I also, yeah, TJ, like, um, no. I'm glad you brought that up. That was going to actually be my next question is, is that a symptom of the time? Because we're never going to see, as long as SNL is on the air, we're never going to see it be not live. It's Saturday Night Live. So yeah, we have I to see that. And just the excitement, the kind of danger that comes into when they're setting up the set and you know if they go to like the local ad when you're watching it live and you see them with the camera crew and people working behind the scenes it's, there's an excitement about that where a pre-tape comes in and, and hits the ground running so much faster so i think the attention span might be you know, that's clearly lowered for all of us in 2024 to get into a pre-tape and just jump right into it so there's no development which I think yields maybe a, a less reward, but it's a more consistent and safer thing to do. So if you're watching SNL on a given night, there's about 62 and a half minutes allotted of that airtime to original material. And I'm not including the intro montage or good nights. So that means about 69% of the airtime is original um, out of that 62 and a half minutes. So that's what you that's what they have to work with every week is um, 62 and a half minutes to give us new material to enjoy. So I want to uh, take this question and point it towards the cast. So um, Amanda, look at pre-tapes or sketches first. What's your pick? Wait, say that again. Oh, uh, pre-tapes. All right. So I'm going to ask you first then, who do you think has the most screen time in pre-tapes this season? Excluding PDD or excluding PDD, just the cast. It's probably just not. a quick guess. Uh, Bowen. That's probably okay. Not TJ, right. what about you? Who do you think has the most screen time? Give me, you know, one or two names. Amanda, same thing, but Marcelo and like, Bowen. Okay, like Marcelo and Bowen. I like her choice of Bowen. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say. Instead of Bowen, I'm going to say Keenan or Sarah. All right. And the results are J.A.J. and Mikey with oh, the most pre-tape wow. screen Mikey, time. I so, didn't think about Mikey. Oh, man, you're right. So James Austin Johnson I, has 9 minutes and 15 seconds of pre-tape screen time. So might be a little tricky because he does do some voice work. Think about Pongo. There's some J.A.J. screen time in there that um, definitely adds up. So he's appeared in 12 pre-tapes this season for, again, 9.15. And if you're watching, uh, the, uh, seeing the chart here, I also wanted to include to see their usage in the cast is what percentage of their own screen time is dedicated to pre-tapes or to sketches. So for J.A.J., it's 19.6% of his time this season has been during pre-tapes. Number two is Mikey Day with 8 minutes 17. That accounts for 12% of his screen time. And then Devin Walker, number three, 641. And that's almost 24% of the screen time. So almost a quarter of the Devin we've seen this season has been during pre-tapes. Rounding up the top five is Chloe and Marcelo. 
So are you surprised by any of those top five, Amanda? I'm surprised to see Devin, but pleasantly yeah. so. Devin's had that, a strong year, like a yeah. really sneaky year for Devin right now. Yeah, I mean, he's only got eight, but he's still he's got more time than Chloe, who has eleven, and Marcelo, who has ten, and Andrew Dismukes, who has eleven. So he's got long appearances in all the eight pre tapes that he's in. Yeah, I'm surprised, but pleasantly so. I wonder if the pre tape weight. I like my first thought is I wonder if the pre-tape weight is also coming from the fact that I feel like we've actually I don't want to say feel because Mike you would have the numbers so maybe you could speak to it more. Um, it feels like there is more often three pre-tapes in episode this season than there are two, and maybe that has been whenever PDD's name is in the credits, we know we're getting a guaranteed pre-tape. We always get a pre-tape after the first live sketch of the night. And so I feel like they've also been just like throwing in an extra one, like after weekend update. Um, so well, I'll, I, I'll tell I you, want... TJ. Well, we yeah, had yeah, sure. um, two pre tapes in the Pete episode, and then we had three pre tapes in the next um, few episodes. Bad Bunny, Bargazzi, Chalamet, Momoa, and Emma Stone had three pre tapes. We've had two apiece since then. That's Adam oh, okay. Driver, Kate, Alordi, Dakota, and Io. Oh, every time I hear Dakota's name, I get sad. Um, <laughs> in the past six seasons, the average SNL has had 2.64 pre-tapes. So that means on average, they're closer to three pre-tapes than to two. Yeah, it, it definitely feels like it's, yeah, that, that feels right, which I know numbers aren't about feelings. Uh, numbers don't care about your feelings. Uh, um, Devin Walker, yeah. Is Devin and Walker having the year that we thought Punky was having before we saw the numbers? Is that... <laughs> Like, I wonder if it's like that. Like, I've been, I wonder if it's like switch. Like, I'm like, I, I feel like Punky's having a year that Devin is having and vice versa. Yeah. Well, let me, let me do a quick on the air math. Always a smart idea to do math live. Um, but look, <laughs> looking at De- Devin's uh, season 48, I'll just look at his average screen time per episode was 229, which is not bad for a rookie. And so far, his average has been 235. So it's been up a little bit, and these pre-tapes have helped. So I'm thinking about maybe the Waffle House sequel, the train platform one, where it's really J.J. and Devin being the the serious scene in front with all the chaos in the back. That's just to point out one Devin pre-tape. And then let's just quickly look at the bottom. We have you know, one apiece quick appearance from Jostin Shea, three seconds and six seconds. But after that, um, Molly, Longfellow, Trost, and Punky. That's the bottom, really, five. So I've been saying for a while that I think Michael Longfellow should do like a good PDD pre-tape. Amanda, I did a segment last week looking at all the PDDs we've seen so far. And oh, that's, that's somebody that we just haven't seen Michael Longfellow like really play a role in them. He played himself in the Hangxiety one and the Ana de Armas when... You know, they were like, you know, let me see that long fellow and harassing him at the after party. And he was like the guy that got hit by the car in the road trip song with uh, Jenna Ortega. Ortega, We haven't we haven't really seen Longfellow in a PDD. So is there anyone, Amanda, that you think not necessarily just PDD, but would be lend their talents to a pre-tape more? Like what what's the difference between these performers that some might gravitate towards pre-tape and some gravitate towards sketch? I mean, I would love to see Molly in more pre-tapes. Like, I feel like there's no reason they can't get slotted in 
for some of these other cast members in certain pre-tapes. I feel like I'd love to see Molly interacting with the PDD boys. So that would be great. Um, I am not sure what lends someone more to the other or if it's self-fulfilling that if somebody gets, you know, has a good night in live or, you know, as a good run in, in pre-tapes that that's just what they end up pitching more like, you know, like they get positive reinforcement and they just end up pitching more for it. I mean, I think Marcelo is really been shining in pre-tapes for me. Yeah. Doing popcorn bucket. Yeah. Maybe because he's younger and he's of that generation like that TJ was like kind of speaking to before that, that he's like used to that pace and, you know, the way the PDD boys, the pacing of their pre-tapes is always like really fast and quippy and and yeah like it's like kind of more that humor um but i think marcelo is also very good in live sketches i feel like the making of a good pre-tape cast member is the same almost for me as a live except for the fact that some people can probably do better in pre-tapes than they can live because it's live um you know there's no other takes but um I'm not sure. And I feel like maybe looking at that, they could mix up pre-tapes a little bit more and let some of the, like let a Molly Carney, you know, cast them in more pre-tapes and give them more of an opportunity in that way, that kind of segment. Yeah. Agreed. I talk about the election night um, PDD with Molly from the end of the Chappelle episode all the time. Cause that was just, we hadn't seen a ton of Molly yet. They weren't on update at that point, And it was just, uh, and we also saw the new cast members where we got to see Molly shine early on. So those are things where I think if you're in a pre-tape, the how much went into it might determine if it's cut or not and how heavily the host is involved because if the host isn't in it, then they could always save it for later where a sketch that has all these resources into it that they have to put on, it's a little bit more of a risk to be in a sketch where it's like, we could do this anytime where a pre-tape, it's like, this is for this show only. So we're going to look at sketch leaders now, TJ. Give me your guesses for who's leading the cast in sketch screen time. This might be a little easier than determining oh, pre-tapes. But, uh, can we say besides Keenan Thompson, like... Um, well, sketch it might be Keenan. It might, not, it might not be. I mean, Keenan's year has been a lot different this year. What do we think? I think Keenan is going to be up there. No, no. Mikey Day. Okay, Mikey Days, TJ's guess. Amanda, what about you? I'm going with Bowen and Heidi. TJ, you want to throw a second guess in there just to be on par with Amanda? Oh, yeah, Keenan, for sure. Okay. Always bet on black. The leaders are Bowen and Mikey. So you're both, oh, both, okay. you know, yeah, right. both kind of in there. So And, and they're uh, like razor thin at the top. So 43 minutes um, all for Heidi, Mikey, and Bowen. So looking at the... Oh, we guessed the uh, top four. Yeah, there you go. So, so Bowen, nice. Bowen has 46. And then we have a couple of 43s. Uh, so, and then again, the percentage of own screen time. So, so far the most, again, lower screen time is going to mean when you're in something, it takes up a bigger percentage. So that's Chloe Trost. Um, 83% of her screen time has been during live sketches. So I think that's a really good, good sign yeah. for Chloe. Uh, I think well, that's an that's interesting, interesting one. So Bowen you know Yang, 46-36, Mikey, 43-39, Heidi, 43-38, and Keenan in fourth with 40-16. TJ? My, my other thought here, Mike, immediately is that like Punky is there at number 11, 
we for sure know that Punky is doing better now because she was always what, like bottom three, like with it was like her, Melissa, um, like, I feel like, like, I know that's Torsha. Punky is like number 11 for the listeners, uh, like 11 out of 17. But that's still like a couple notches better than where I remember her being when doing this show the first time and listening to the By the Numbers, like weekly in like season 47. Not weekly, but listening to the By the Numbers and like, re- like repetitively, Punky was in like bottom three. Um, so to see her here, because this is a season. She it, it is a steady climb. Um, it, it just makes me happy for her, even though when we were talking about the aggregate average, it, it felt like it was still very level. To me, this shows that the numbers like shows that, yes, that higher number of occurrences and then not being shut out still is helping her, even if her aggregate average average, um, if I'm saying that right, is still the same. She's still doing better. Or at least, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. What do you what do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, definitely because I mean she's middle of the pack, so it's better than being at the bottom. I will say For that sure. Marcelo is is higher by a whole six minutes, and that's somebody who's a, still a featured player. And um JJ, top of the last graphic I put on there, and JJ is twelfth in live sketch appearances. I mean, sorry, screen time, because Think about all his screen time in the cold open. So he also was on update as, you know, remember lizards. So that's things that I didn't count in live sketches because I have my own categories for monologue, update, cold opens. And then um, Devin Walker, who was up high on that list, is also number 14 on this list. So there are some discrepancies with certain cast members. And then you have the Mikey Days who are top of both, really. So uh, Amanda, if you're an SNL cast member, do you want to be in the mix in both or would you rather be at the top of one? I want to be in the mix of both. I think that I wouldn't want to be the top of pre-tapes and the bottom of live the other way around. Oh, it's like one or the other? Well. Oh, because yeah. Okay, I get it. Yeah, I guess you have to choose middle. Like maybe choose like a Chloe Feynman spot. She's number five here in terms of sketch appearances and she's um in pre-tapes was she number was she number four mike in the graphic you showed us before this one uh chloe uh chloe family was number four on pre-tapes yeah i want to be chloe like that's where I she's well, pretty high up in both yeah number exactly. four in pre-tapes number five in sketches i'd want to be chloe yeah and then again heidi is number three in sketches and number 11 in pre-tapes so there is some give and take there and again, I have to say, I know I keep saying again, but there are other aspects of the show that might be your bread and butter where Heidi Gardner has had a couple update pieces this year. I think it's the most interesting that like I am seeing, I feel like it's kind of like, it's funny to look at like one through five, to look at like Bowen, Mikey, Heidi, Keenan, Chloe, to look at them as one through five of like sketch appearances, but to see them. I believe they were like six through 10 in the other chart. Like to see there's almost like a flip. Cause I think of like that five is like the top five really of like big players, like them and Ago. I think of them as like the big players, the seniors for like SNL or at least like, yeah, the, you're, you're the absolutely cat- right. Cause Bowen, Keenan, Heidi on the pre tape chart was nine, 10, 11. Yeah. And it's now like- Bowen's number one in this chart, Heidi's number three. Shout out to Bowen. He's the star. 
do you upload i know you upload the uh the per episode graphic like i I was i always see that one but do you also upload the uh what's the word not collective um cumulative do you upload the cumulative one alongside the episode post as well i do sometimes you can follow me at snl mike murray on twitter and so like just this week i just did a poll yeah, so um, I, I did post it on, on the gram as well after it was all done. Uh, no, I mean, same, the SNN post. This the SNN does time. not post any of my other stats really for screen time other than this, except the mid-season we did totals, and we'll do totals at the end of the year. But, I mean, I can do that if people want me to. But yeah. I did a poll, and I said, um, you know, who do you want me to dump out all the stats on? I gave some options. Dismukes won the poll, so I just gave a complete Dismukes totals um, for the season so far. So I'll probably do more of that stuff just to get them out there. I don't know if this is true or not, but if like, if the cast members are themselves are curious, like how they're doing each season, like, I wonder if like posting the aggregate, like this aggregate, um, th- listeners, I'm pointing to the, uh, list of, uh, sketch appearances. I wonder if they might also be kind of interested to see like, Hey, here's how I'm doing. How's I did by this episode. And here's how I'm doing by the season. And I'm thinking about that specifically just for the cast members. Like, I think that could be interesting. I don't know if other people do, but I, I, you know, like maybe they're wondering like how they're doing during the season or they're actors. Maybe they think it would get in their head. I don't know. I'm not in that world. Hey, TJ, I mean, you're saying something very close to my heart. I host a weekly show on SNL stats, which is a pretty crazy sentence to say out loud. So I, I'm surprised every week. I love this shit so much. I think it's so interesting. So the fact that other people are into it, I think is like, just so dope that people want to check it out but i have heard john's heard you know that the cast a lot of them anyway i can't name any names but they do follow the screen time graphics so i think there's a probably a competitive curiosity and just an overall like how much was i in that episode last week so it, it i know if i were there just like playing a sport even if you're on like your beer league softball team if you could see how many rbis you had i'd want to see that so it's definitely something that I, I've said from the beginning of the show that there's the eye test and then there's like empirical data that I have. So I can't measure funny, even though a couple of weeks ago I had um, Sam Smith on and he did some, um, he measured some laugh volume. But other than that, can't really measure funny, but I can measure the output and the performance that's on the screen that we can see with our eyes. So it's yeah. more of a objective way to look at it. And yeah, I mean, I think it's totally fair to compare yourself to your previous season or to your fellow castmates. Well, I think it it just would go interesting in looking at, like, we do this podcast, like, week to week, and I just think alongside the episode, it would look good. I would take out the column of the percentage of own screen time when posting it, because I think if a cast member might just want to see how many sketches have I been in this season and how much sketch screen time have I seen this season. I know the cast members do like that. Um, I think that could be really like interesting i don't know like amanda what do you think like do you think this is like something people would care about like if they saw it in an instagram post like week yeah to week? i know mike you said you didn't want to name names but i feel like you can name mikey day because he said your name yep many mikey many times in the yeah. <laughs> when, when john interviewed him he, he said mike mary over and over and over again so yeah. i think <laughs> you got yeah props for mikey day for sure i mean i it's i mean it's awesome that we have these exclusive stats and i think it's kind of surprising to people when they find out that you know nbc doesn't have this the kind of data that we have so for sure 
but it's kind of fun that way that it's like exclusive to us and maybe it's not just out there but yeah and one day i will i will publish all this stuff you know i'm not going to be around forever so i gotta just have it be out there for people to enjoy i've people have reached out to me recently and said you know people should see this more all this this work that you do and yeah i do want people to see it it's just yes for for now for the show for the content and as i go backwards i'm starting season 43 during the break so i can get more seasons i'll have full data on heidi and chris red and luke null if i go back to that season so i'm always looking forward to getting more data because i think that makes the show stronger and it makes it more interesting but we got to wrap up tonight so we're going to look at the power rankings and this is something that you know, is near and dear to my heart because it does take into consideration everything. It's very easy to cherry pick as a statistician and look at one thing because it makes great conversation. But this stat we always wrap up with because it shows really what's going on at 8H. So this chart's getting pretty big now, 11 episodes in. But if you want to look at it, you can see color-coded red, orange, yellow, and green to see a a not so great episode to a mid episode to like a great episode. So you see these dark greens. Look at the top of the row here. Bowen Yang, Pete Davidson, Momoa, Emma Stone, Jacob Elordi, and Io. He had a great night. And even his not so great nights, still 85 with Dakota, 95 with Kate. And a 77 with Adam Driver. So here are the updated season 49 power rankings after 11 episodes. It's Bo and Yang, top spot still, 99.4. Mikey Day right behind, 95.7. And then about a eight-point drop to Heidi at three. Colin Jost, 81.5 at number four. Keenan gained five points average from a 136-point episode. He's back in the five spot, 77.9. JAJ, 69.7 at number seven is nice. Ego Wodum, 68.3. Chloe Feynman's at an even 65. Michael Che at a 60.5. Sarah Sherman, great night for her. Jumps in the top 10, meaning that she knocked out Marcelo of the top 10. So he's at 12. But in between is 11. Andrew Dismukes, 55.2. Again, Marcelo, 51.8. He nailed it this week. His average, he got it exactly right, 51.8. So his average did not change even a decimal point. Devin Walker at 13. He's 44.7. Punky Johnson at 14. 39.5, 39.5, Chloe Trost, 37.2, Michael Longfellow, 32.1, and last is Molly Carney. They are at a 28.4. So there's your current power ranking. Amanda, predictions from you. Is this top five going to change at all? And I'm more, I mean, I just asked the question, but I'm, I'm really curious. Like that top nine and 10 spot, like people are, are really competing for that. So after nine more episodes this season, will we see any changes or I think they're all set right here with this power ranking? I think you'll see uh, Marcelo jump a spot or two. I think you could see Sarah Sherman and Dismukes jump as well. I'm not sure who would move down though. Maybe they'd just be flipping from each other. So huge week. Dismuke, Sarah, and Keenan, they all jumped five points. And when I say points, it's an average for the whole season. So that just shows how good their episodes were. You see Andrew at a 106-point episode, Sarah at a 102, and Keenan at a 136. So they killed it this week. 
then that's how your power ranking can change. You can jump a couple spots. TJ, any words? You haven't seen a power ranking in a long time. So what do you see here? It has been an absolute minute and good Lord. I, I'm I like, I, like I work in Excel every day, but this is, this is crazy. Um, like <laughs> this spreadsheet is absolute madness. Um, but I respect it. I respect it. I, I my think mind, it was a compliment. I think it was a compliment. Oh no, I, I do mean it as a compliment, even though you are a crazy person. Um, my my Noted. mind goes to <laughs> my mind goes to JEJ specifically because we're getting closer to an election cycle, and with him having both a Biden and a Trump, even though I, I think they're switching to Mighty Mikey for Biden, I think we're just going to see like if SNL does lean into it, which I don't want them to, but I think they will, and we're gonna <laughs> it's like literally I I would like guess by middle of the year uh, like by about like this time next year we're going to be tired of jj's trump um because that's when we were tired of like alec baldwin's um i'm wondering like because of that if that's gonna if that could push jaj up if he also keeps doing his utility player stuff like if he's showing up more in the code if he step backs into if he steps back into his code open king um status could that put him in top five because he's been on a a steady climb. I also, um, I think about Michael Longfellow that with just the right amount of sketches, I could see him climbing a little bit. Like as much as I really like Chloe Trace Trost, and I think it's great that she's found her footing. I think we could see a switch between the two of them. Um, like we could see yeah, Mike, for sure. like Michael, like going past Chloe. Um, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't take you know. much for Longfellow. Just, he had a 92 point episode in the Emma Stone and, other than that, it's been pretty low. So if he had another one of those nights, he would easily jump up five points. I mean, his his score is pretty low that it would be easy for it to jump up because it's been hovering around the, the low to mid thirties. And then yeah, we we got so teased last week with that bad couple sketch. You see Molly Carney, Michael Longfellow at the desk for like a news sketch, and I'm like, all right, finally we get to see Molly and Michael Cook on the show. A pairing we haven't really seen. And then it ended up being a Bowen sketch, which I did love, by the way. But it was really it was pulled sketch. the rug from from funny. under from under us to to see uh, uh, Molly and Michael not really get much to do after the opening. And I mean, Molly, they did get a great joke at the very end by saying Marcelo was her husband, was their husband, and that was um, a great opportunity. But I like to see the two of them again somewhere else. So that'll do it for this week. Amanda, so great having you on the show. I hope I see you again really soon. And anyone thing you want to tell the listeners? Uh, nope. <laughs> Nothing from me. Right. I, I, <laughs> sorry, no. my cough is like really acting up. Um, as I, I, I told Mike and TJ, I have to run to the drugstore to go get my antibiotics and I'm going to feel better and then come back and sound like a whole new person. Uh, but yeah, I have thoughts about Shane Gillis, but I'm going to save them for another night, I guess. All right. TJ, loved having you back, man. I mean, it's so much fun talking to you. And I'll tell I'll tell the listeners again, TJ has a 15-ish minute podcast called Rabbit Trail. That's R A B I D. What else can you say to everybody? Um, well, uh, Micah, again, I truly do appreciate that shout out. Don't let it be so long for for we podcast together again, man. I, I enjoyed seeing a text from you earlier today. It was uh um and yeah. Um, congrats all that you have going on. Um and uh, this is really fun. I, I cannot believe it's been a year and a half since I've done this 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 segment. 
Um, but uh, in terms of Rabbit Trail, um, we actually have uh, uh, we just did two. We're uh, we just kind of did uh, two back to back episodes that I actually really enjoyed doing. Um, this a couple of days ago, we did an episode on school crushes. It was very fun uh, for us to kind of cringe and think about uh, like people we had crushes on in high school that like it worked out, it didn't work out. But it's very funny to look back on your life and kind of see like those sort of that high school sort of like era of like like romance that you know that's so weird and then in the spirit of valentine's day next week we're going to be doing an episode on bad flirting methods inspired by all those weird pickup tv shows that used to be on the air in the 2000s we kind of just wanted to think about like winter times that we've been trying to flirt um that is just yeah, going you absolutely watch, terrible if you watch those shows it would just lead you to believe just wear a big fuzzy hat and anyone yep. will date you you know? Exactly. Those shows are just they're, they're so toxic. But I'm a really big fan of think of like talking about like dating and like the ups and downs. And so those are fun episodes to do. Um, and we also did an episode a few weeks ago on groceries and the three fifths compromise. I will give no additional context. You can find <laughs> that episode. It is uh, it's only a few episodes ago. Um, but Rabbit Trail again. You can find it at you can find us at We Are Rabbit Trail on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also search for Rabbit Trail on any podcatcher. Um, you can find me, TJ, at King Compliment on Instagram. Mike, always, thank you for having me. Anytime, man. Yeah, let's make it again soon. Um, it's just a, just I'm, a blast. I'm, and I mean that shit, too. Like, I mean, like, yeah. this year. All right, we'll make it out. Just that, you know, TJ, you're such a popular member of the SNN community. You know, we want to spread you out. We want to put you everywhere. Okay, all right, pause. Um, <laughs> relax. <laughs> <laughs> Um, shout out to the listeners that also uh, that happen to be on while Abbott is going on. Shout out to my listeners who also don't have cable, so I have to wait till tomorrow to watch Abbott. Uh- <laughs> yeah, we appreciate everybody in the chat as always, and that'll do for this night. We will be, be back in two weeks to talk about Shane Gillis and Twenty One Savage. So excited for that episode! Big moment in SNL lore, of course. Uh, just having a cast member who was not really a cast member, so. Th- and now he's coming back to the show. Can we even call it back? So that'll be in two weeks. I will be here with some other great guests and some new stats for you guys. So for Amanda Barkin, TJ Randolph, I am Mike Murray of the SNN. Thank you for listening. We will see you soon.